Good morning, friends. Welcome to worship this morning. May the peace of the Lord be with you. It's an absolute pleasure to be able to share the Word of God with you on this Sunday morning. This is the fifth Sunday of the Lent season, and we continue our focus on looking at some of the characteristics of God. This morning, you and I get to unpack this God who is a sovereign God. And so this morning, I have two readings to share with you, uh, one found in the Old Testament and one in, in the New, and I'll be uh, reading from the message translation uh, for us today. And so our first reading is found in Isaiah, Isaiah 45, uh, from verse uh, 7 uh, to verse 9. I am God, the only God there is. Besides me, there are no real gods. I'm the one who armed you for this work, though you don't even know me, so that everyone from east to west will know that I have no God rivals. I am God, the only God there is. I form light and create darkness. I make harmonies and I create discords. I, God, do all these things. Open up heavens and rain. Clouds pour out buckets of my goodness. Loosen up earth and bloom salvation. Go and sprout right living. Because I am God and I generate all of this. The second reading I bring to you this morning is found in Colossians 1 from verse 15 to 18. We look at the sun and, and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at the sun and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything started in Him and finds its purpose in Him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organizes and holds it together like a head does a body. And so we give thanks to God this morning for this life-giving word. Amen. Friends, I want to begin this morning by asking a question. How do you and I understand this idea that God is sovereign? It's a question that theologians have been wrestling with for centuries. A question that I've been wrestling with over the last week and a bit as I've been preparing. They're probably driving Kylie crazy as we compare thoughts around what it is to be a God who is sovereign. But as I was doing some reading, a theologian, one of my favorites, Eugene Peterson, he best describes the God who is sovereign like this. Peterson says, Sovereignty. God's sovereignty is one of the most beautiful things for people but also the most difficult things for people of faith to live out in everyday routine. 
But we have no choice. God is sovereign. God rules. Not only in our personal affairs, but in the cosmos. Not only in our places of worship, but in our office buildings, our political affairs, the factories, the universities, the hospitals, even behind the scenes, in saloons and nightclubs and at rock concerts. It is a wild and extravagant notion, to be sure. But nothing in our scriptures is attested to more frequently or empathetically. Friends, God is the subject of life. God is foundational for living. And if we don't have a sense of the sovereignty of God, we will never get it right. We will never get life right. We will never get our lives right. I'm not speaking here of a God at the margins. Not God as an added extra option. Not God only on weekends or on Sundays. But God at the center. God on the edges. God who is first and last. It is all about God, God, God. This is the sovereign God. The one who knows our names. The one who knows everything about us. If we just hold that thought for a moment, don't get goosebumps all over your arms. Just thinking about this sovereign God, the creator of heaven and earth who knows your name, who knows everything about you. In my household, the De Beer household at the moment, our three girls are on school holidays. And so will you pray for us and for all parents who have children at home who are on holiday? It's not the time for a family of five. But as you know, when kids are on school holidays, they spend a fair amount of time watching movies. And so last week I managed, and you'll be proud of me, I managed to wrestle the remote control <laughs> off my youngest daughter. And as a good dad, I took responsibility of what we were going to watch as a family. And so I ensured it was nothing that was animated, but a good family movie that we could share in together. And so as I flicked through the channels, I came across one of our favorites, a movie called Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which was written by C.S. Lewis. So there are a number of books and a couple of movies. And I just wonder if anyone else enjoys watching the movies of Narnia as much as what we do. But as I sat thinking about today and this message and watching uh, this movie of Narnia, I realized that for me this movie offers an interpretation of the kingdom of God, perhaps even challenging the images of God and his kingdom, asking me, asking us to consider that maybe our view or our understanding of the sovereign God 
is too narrow. Maybe our view of the sovereign God is too small. Because the sovereign God is just so much bigger than we could ever comprehend. And so often we create these images of who God is. But then God comes into our lives and He shatters these earthly images by giving us the truth of who He is. And so often God brings us face to face with the reality of His majesty. You know those God moments that could only come from God. Those God moments that we experience that change our lives forever. The moments of encountering a God who is sovereign. The author of Narnia, C.S. Lewis, he writes these words. He says, There are three images in my mind that I must continually forsake and place better ones. The false image of God, the false image of my neighbors, and the false image of myself. And as I read these words, I was wondering if the same can be said about our false image of God, the Son of God, and the Spirit of God. Friends, God is sovereign, and God is in the business of always surprising. He is always unexpected. He is always busy creating and restoring the earth and everything in it. God is the creative one, the one who interacts with us, who's deliberate in his interaction with us. God wants to meet us. He wants to meet us in the mundane, in the ordinary places of our lives. And He does this because the God who is sovereign, He is interested in our lives. This God, this God is more amazing than any of our attempts to explain Him. And far greater than the boxes that we reduce Him to. To make him fit into. Friends, God came to earth. He came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ, who was full of grace and full of truth. And we read about this in a few verses of John's Gospel, but we also read that the world didn't recognize him. The world didn't get it. Maybe we didn't get it. He was too unexpected. He wasn't what the world was looking for. He wasn't what we were looking for. He didn't behave the way the world imagined he would. He isn't the God that we create for ourselves. Friends, Jesus the one who hung on the cross. He is the real image of God. 
But the truth is we aren't always comfortable with this truth. Because sometimes, sometimes we want to be the God in our story. This morning I want to suggest that many of us, many of us are holding back. We're holding back from fully embracing this relationship with God. Maybe it's because we haven't found a God who is big enough for our needs. A God who can handle our lifestyle, whatever that may be, good or bad. A God who can handle our schedules. A God who can manage our finances. A God who can manage and care for our relationships. Many of us are still holding on to this image of a God that was formed when we were children. Holding on to an image of a God that's been told to us through someone else's experience. Friends, it's time. It's time for us to get to know God personally. This season of Lent, over the last five weeks, we have heard about this God. This God who is faithful, a God who is holy, a God who is merciful, a God who is just. Today, a God who is sovereign. And so I'll ask us the question, have we been intentional during this season of Lent in expanding our understanding about who God is, about this God that we worship, about the God that we stand and put our hands in the air and adore and praise? Or are we secretly afraid that changing our view of God will expose the little faith that we have Or are we uneasy about asking the tough questions about what we truly believe about God? Maybe we're even feeling that we have to defend or protect our own image of God because we have created it. C.S. Lewis in the movie and the books about Narnia He depicts God as this magnificent lion. A magnificent lion, not a tame lion, but a magnificent lion. Friends, God who is sovereign cannot be limited to the images that we have formed in our minds. Because our God is magnificent. Sometimes we may think that this God, the sovereign God, is one who just guards our conscience. The one who exists to tell us when we've done something wrong. Perhaps even the old-fashioned, grand old man idea of God, who is not relevant for the generation today. Friends, the God who is sovereign He's inviting us today 
He's inviting us to shatter some of the ideas about who God is so that we can discover the real God. The God who is immeasurably more creative than what we could ever imagine. The God who is gutsy enough to come to earth to be with the people that he cares for. Who is such a passionate lover of his people that he would rather hang on a cross and die than live without them. These people are you and I. This is a God who is relative. It's a God who is sovereign. A God who is alive. More alive than many of us are alive. As I was preparing for this message today, I, I was struck once again by the way, the way our sovereign God came to this earth. Despite our efforts to keep him out, God intrudes. The life of Jesus bracketed by two impossibilities, a virgin's womb and an empty tomb. Jesus entered our world through a door marked with a sign that said no entrance. And he left this world through a door marked that said no exit. Friends, is this not true for us every day? You and I try and make a way in this world. We go about doing it on our own. We try and figure out the ups and downs of life on our own. We try and navigate the pain and the grief and the suffering on our own. But then God enters our situations when we thought all is lost. And the God who is sovereign brings hope and healing and resurrection. And he does all of this. Because he is a sovereign God. I just want to take us back to our family movie moment. My wife, Lizelle, and I were eventually the only two still watching Narnia because the kids had all run off. They found it way too boring for them. But as we were watching this movie together, there is this moment. The moment when the children... In the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe learn that Aslan is both a king and a lion. And they are a bit disconcerted. And this is what the narrative sounds like. Oh, said Susan, is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, dearie, and no mistake, said Mrs. Beaver. If there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or else just silly. Then he isn't safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. Friends in Scripture... You won't find anything about God being safe. 
but you'll find a lot about God who is sovereign. And of course, because Aslan was modeled on Jesus, he's not tame either. It was just as Mr. Beaver had warned the children. He'll be coming and going. And one day you'll see him and another day you won't. He doesn't like being tied down. He'll often drop in. Only you mustn't press him. He's wild, you know. Not like a tame lion. Friends, how many of us are guilty of trying to tame the lion of God? How many of us are guilty of trying to put God, this God who is faithful and holy and merciful and just and sovereign, to put him in a box? A box of our expectations. A box of the way we think God has to be and and how God should be acting. For how many of us is our God too small? Have you been keeping him in that box? Only recognizing our small idea of God. Can we open our hearts this morning? to experience God more fully and ask God to reveal to us in ways that we are yet to experience, to reveal himself in things we cannot even imagine yet. Can we let God break down the old images of him and let the Holy Spirit transform us through the renewing of our minds. God is sovereign. God rules, not only in our personal lives, but in the entire cosmos. Amen. Will you pray with me? Almighty, mysterious, creator God, who is greater than we can ever begin to comprehend whose power and creation stretches across galaxies and universes and whose love and care is as intimate as knowing the very number of hairs on our head. We come in awe and we worship and we are grateful today, acknowledging our place before you, O God. As Scripture reveals how great you are, Sovereign Lord, there is no one like you and there is no God but you. What freedom that is that we are not you, O God. That means that we are free from having to judge anyone. We only have to love since you are a God who is just. We are free from having to change anyone to make them think or behave differently. Because as you know, Lord, it's hard enough for us to change ourselves to think or behave differently. We are free from having to believe that our way is the only way. We are free from trying to control people or situations. We are free to acknowledge that we have frailties, failures, and weakness. And most of all, we are free to receive. To receive your love, your grace, and your mercy. And so forgive us, God, when we try to be you 
the God in our own world. Sometimes we think we have all the right answers when we think we know what is best. Forgive us when we question you instead of trusting you. When we want to argue with you rather than accept. Forgive us when we think we have any idea of what it is to create this vast and complex world and then to look upon humanity, all of humanity, and love them. Love them deeply. Love them enough to be willing to die for each one of them. No, Lord, we are not you. And as we gather today, we are reminded of that so that we might go out and live life as those who are free. Free to love, free to forgive, free to show compassion, free to be generous, free to be the light in the darkness of the world among us. Amen.